Hi, everyone. Welcome to a groundbreaking new episode of Brown Eyed Junicorn. I'm your host, Hannah Brown. And here we are again. Me and I love you. I had an audition this week where I had to sing. Not to get all actory and like audition flexy, but it's just my reality. I was very fortunate to have an audition where I had to sing, but I also was like doing my audition and I was like, Lord, help all these people who have to listen to me be like, um, you all just shut this off. Um, welcome back. Another week, another day, another sleigh. Here we are. Today we're going to talk about Bachelor, VPR, Jersey. But before I get into it, I had some board at work thoughts. I'm thinking of starting a new segment called Hannah's Board at Work Thoughts because they're usually just random stories from my childhood that like creep into my memory and like send a shiver up my spine, as I always say. And here are my childhood stories for this week. First of all, in fifth grade, I wanted to do a dance to Stronger by Britney Spears because I was really into that music video with the chair and the choreography and the like chunky boots. So I choreographed a dance and I want to say Evelyn like forced her way into it. That's not even a good story. That's literally the punchline. I don't know why I wrote that down. The next thing that happened in fifth grade, though, is a good story. I wanted to be in fifth grade government so badly. I couldn't even tell you what the fuck fifth grade government did, honestly. But I ran for several different positions. I ran for treasurer, VP, and president. The first position I ran for was president. I came in hot. And, you know, it's fifth grade, so they encourage you to get, like, creative with your speeches. And my speech was to Bootalicious by Destiny's Child. And I, you guys, do you ever, like, have, like, secondhand embarrassment from things that happened to you literally when you were, like, nine or even, like, five? Like, I'm still embarrassed about things that happened, like, over 20 years ago. Isn't that wild? That's why I'm in therapy. That's one of many reasons why I'm in therapy. But in my fifth grade speech, I sang this song to Bootalicious where I was, like, I named the teachers. I was, like, Mr. Berg. Can you handle this? Mr. Brooks, can you handle this? I don't think you can handle this. Woo! And it was like, just don't mess with this prez, because I'll be the best prez that I can be. Not only am I not good at singing, those weren't even, like, clever lyrics. Of course I didn't win. You know why? Because the fucking kid who made the video always wins. Any kid in elementary school, especially in the 90s, before iPhones, when it was like a much more involved thing to make a good video, any kid who fucking made a video for a class project or a speech wowed everyone, got the A, and got the position as fifth grade president. So needless to say, I didn't win with my Destiny's Child Bootalicious presidential speech. Then for treasurer, I remember I made a poster my slogan was like hannah is simply a treasure it's not hard to measure vote hannah for a treasurer that was like my slogan and no one voted for me <laughs> but then the speech that finally won the speech that won me the title of fifth grade co-vice president not to brag was i brought in a little mixing bowl that you would like bake cookies in and i drew on each piece of paper like good like the traits of a good vice president and i was like trustworthy I threw it in the bowl, honest, um, you know, organized. And then I stirred it with a spoon, and then my mom had made brownies for the class that in red, white, and blue said, like, Hannah for VP. So at the end, I was like, the result, and I took my pan out, and I went, sweet success, vote Hannah for VP, and you can have one of these sweet treats after the rest of the speeches. I remember, guys, I remember all of this because I rehearsed it so fucking hard, and guess what? I won. So if you're a fifth grader listening to this podcast, just make a video or make your class some fucking brownies and you'll win fifth grade vice president. Um, also, 
oh, this is just a work thought. I just want to say there's a special place in H-E double hockey sticks for parents that go out to eat with a gaggle of their children when it's like two parental couples going out to eat and they have like eight kids between the two families and then they put the kids at a separate table. It's like, do I look like a babysitter? Do I look like a 15-year-old named Jennifer from the suburbs who's dying to make extra money to buy a new iPhone or to get a new set of acrylic nails, whatever the 15-year-old Jennifers in the suburbs who babysit are doing these days? Like, come on. You want to go out to eat? You don't want to pay for a sitter? Then fucking sit with your kids. Come on now. That's really, those are the rest, that's all my thoughts. Um, I don't know why I told you any of those. Here we go. Um, let's get into Vanderpump Rules, though. Um, actually, no. Let's start with The Bachelor. So, first of all, this week they were forced to put on, like, lingerie and pajamas. And one girl called lingerie lingerie. She's like, I opened the box, and it was, like, a lingerie set. And I remember I used to watch this show on VH1 called Tough Love with Steve Ward. I don't know if you guys remember it. It was a really good dating show on VH1. Trashy as fuck, but amazing. And I remember, like, ten years ago watching that show and a girl being like, I just am not one of those girls that walks around in lingerie. How do not enough people, like, how do this many people not know the word lingerie? It's not lingerie, it's lingerie. This is like a Britney Cartwright mistake. And then there was also a girl in The Bachelor who was like, I have to wear a muumuu, what the fuck? And I'm like, I would have been thrilled if I were on The Bachelor and instead of being asked to wear, like, a bikini or a lingerie set, that I got to wear a muumuu for a day of shooting. I was like, you're winning. Like, I thrive in oversized clothing. I was like, why are you complaining? Then Alea and Sydney are in a fight. I called Sydney Quiet Girl because I didn't really know her name, but she's like asserting herself now. She's like, Alea, you're not here for the right reasons. You're not real. So they're in a fight. And I'm just like, this is all hilarious to me because neither of you seem relevant enough to get this upset about your fate with Peter. Like, neither of you are going to win this thing. Come on. But they fought the entire fucking episode. And I just want to say that Sydney made another reference to Pretty Pretty Princess when she was talking about Alea because Alea is like a uh, pageant queen. And Sydney's like, you do this pretty, pretty princess thing. And Kelsey, weeks prior, had told Hannah Ann Sluss that she was a pretty, pretty princess. And I'm just like, why, why, why are we talking about pretty, pretty princess in such a negative light? I fucked hard with pretty, pretty princess in my youth. I would fuck hard with it now. My favorite board game. I would wear that crown all ding, dang, day. Every day, I'd wear that crown around my house like the Leo that I am, being like, I won Pretty Pretty Princess, bitch. And I'm not going to take this crown off for the rest of the day so that you all know. Um, I will say, just side sidebar, when it comes to board games from my youth, I also fucked hard with Candyland. But I remember I would, like, emotionally abuse my sister if she got, <laughs> if she got the Queen Frostine card and I got, like, Princess Lollipop or whatever or, like, Lord Licorice. I was like, what the fuck is this? What the, f or like the Gumdrop King or whatever the fuck his name was. All I wanted was a Queen Frostine card. And when my sister got it, I was like, how dare you? I got so fucking mad. I was a terrible child. I was not nice. I was a diva and I was mean. I was exactly how I am now, but without any of the redeeming qualities. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, so I just want to say to the cast of The Bachelor, stop ripping on Pretty Pretty Princess. It's not, not a negative to compare a woman to a pretty, pretty princess. Okay, so Hannah Ann, I just was like, I just called her Hannah Ann Sluss. That's her entire name. I don't think I really internalized 
what I think of the last name Sluss these first couple weeks of The Bachelor. But imagine if your last name is Sluss, Hannah Ann Sluss. Like, no wonder she's, she's so eager to get married to Peter because the last name Sluss is not ideal. It's literally hard to say. The last name Sluss sounds like a sound I would have accidentally made with my headgear in eighth grade when I was, like, trying to say something to my sister and, like, go to bed. Like, Hannah Ann Sluss. Um, Sydney clearly hasn't watched the show before because it's a tale as old as time, true as it can be, that if you try to pit The Bachelor against another girl, you're not going to prosper. You just look catty, and it always backfires. And so this week it was kind of unclear because you thought it was going to backfire, but then it didn't. And meanwhile, Alea is, like, crying every two seconds. She is, like, letting her snot flow like Viola Davis and literally everything she's ever in, just letting that snot flow free and crying, which I respected. It was a choice. It was a bold actor choice. Um, and I also just want to say that Alea has Megan Fox – as Brianna Wallace, circa the Mary-Kate and Ashley movie, Holiday in the Sun, energy. Does that make sense? Alea has Brianna Wallace, played by Megan Fox, energy. Um, just very like, oh my god, yes, my daddy, my pageants. And <laughs> very Megan Fox as Brianna Wallace vibes. Um, so Sydney's like, Peter, I'm telling you, she's not here for the right reasons. And Alea's like, I feel amazing after the conversation me and Peter had. Like, woo! Like, woo! And she like, goes back to the pool and she's like, Hi, ladies. I'm just, like, feeling so bad, like, so much better now that Peter and I talked. I feel like I'm being a bad storyteller this week. So, like, Sydney told Peter that Alea was shady. Peter told Alea, like, hey, are you shady? Alea was like, what? No, huh? This is me. So, Alea's, like, in a panic about, like, I don't want my narrative with Peter to change because of the shit that other girls are talking about me. Like, if Peter likes me, that's all that matters. Like, I'm not here to make friends. So then she sits Peter down and she's like, I just want to clear some things up with you. And then they do clear it up. And then she goes back to that fucking pool, like in her fucking macrame pants, like flexing me like, oh, my God, future Mrs. Weber out. And I was like, oh, God, kill me. But then she ends up getting sent home anyway because of what Sydney said. And honestly, not just Sydney, like every other girl in the house is like, I don't know about Alea. She's kind of a TBD for me. But Alea like causes such a ripple effect of like tenseness tension that's the word I was looking for um throughout the house that like it was dumb to send her home that early so now Alea might come back and I truly cannot wait to see all the girls jaws drop when Alea comes back in in her like you know boxy leather jacket being like hi hey hey ladies <laughs> I also just want to give one girl in The Bachelor a shout out this week McKenna McKenna with her cute little short haircut her beachy waves and her expressive dramatic ass expressions she's always she's doing a lot of handwork. she's like oh <gasps> like she loves putting her hands up to her face she loves like clutching her pearls she's like so distraught all the time she's so worried about peter she's so concerned about everyone's well-being including her own she doesn't want to go home mckenna's doing great great work she's hilarious and fun to watch also the one negative I have about McKenna is I found that this week her nail polish was the color of Pepto-Bismol, which is not what you want. It's not ideal. Um, wait, let's see who else. Oh, speaking of Pepto-Bismol nails, another story. Sorry, guys. I'm very disorganized, and I thought I was just—I thought I was organized going into this, and now I'm going on tangents because I'm just really lit after the day I had. Um, I once had like a boss who worked at a bar that I worked at. And she, like, was so condescending to me but didn't even know how to pronounce, like, half the wines we had. And she always had Pepto-Bismol pink nail polish. And 
that being said, I was like triggered by McKenna's Pepto-Bismol nail polish. But I remember her being like, um, so this is our Sauvignon Blanc. And I was like, okay, it's Sauvignon Blanc. Like, come on. And then she talked shit about me behind my back to my friends being like, I don't like Hannah's style and I don't like her chokers. Uh, this was like three years ago when Kim Kardashian was always wearing like a thick black velvet choker. That's when I was wearing chokers. Like, hello. So, hence I'm getting revenge now talking about her terrible nail polish on my podcast. It's important not to hold on to things. Moving forward, on Vanderpump Rules. Let's jump into that um, cesspool of a show. Max's multi-printed button-ups are an affront to me and everyone else watching this show. In the words of Stassi Schroeder from this past week, how dare you? Um, Max is always in a shirt with like a, bu- a short sleeve button up, which a short sleeve button up is a very specific mood that I'm not really into, but he's into short sleeve button ups with multiple patterns on them. Like this week it was like flowers and cheetah. And I was just like, what are we doing? Why? Like you're not, you know, a cool grandpa in Boca Raton. You're a weaselly little weasel and I'm not here for it. Sheena is full Sandy from Greece with Max and those text receipts. Like, she was very like, what happened to the Danny Zuko I met at the beach? Like, she was just like, you said this. You said you're so pretty. You said you said I love you. You said I'm falling for you really fast. You said that, like, I'm a good cuddler. And I have to say, while Sheena does look a little insane, first of all, we've all done it. We've all saved receipts. We've all screenshotted and sent to prove ourselves innocent. We've all done it. Um, so that being said, while Sheena was full Sandy from Greece, what happened to the Danny Zuko I met at the beach, I also have to say I have mad respect for any bitch who saves receipts. I love it. I love it. Brittany reveals that she's getting married at Versailles, which is spelled the same as Versailles. Um, so yeah, stick a rusty fork through my eye. I'm not going to speak more on that. We all know how I feel about Brittany and how she pronounces things. So my sister the other day was like, you really don't like Jackson Brittany. You don't like Brittany more than you shouldn't like Brittany. She was like, you you have an issue. And I can't identify what it is because people often say that when you're annoyed by someone, it's because you see a lot of yourself in them. And I'm pretty self-aware. Like, I'd be able to identify if that was the case. But, like, I don't think it is. So I'm just, like, unclear. But what I am clear on is just, like, just fucking learn how to pronounce Versailles. If you have the money to get married in a fucking castle, can you just pronounce it right? Ugh, I'm just jealous because I'm poor. Moving right along, Natalie handed out employee handbooks this week to the new employees. And I wondered, like, in this employee handbook from Sir, is there a chapter on what to do if your towel-headed manager, Peter, harasses you in the workplace? If there's not, there should be. Uh, rounding out this VPR little roundup, We have the Sandoval and Stassi drama. I thought this whole thing was whack. It clearly wasn't about the pasta. And by the pasta, I mean it wasn't about this event. Like, I always say this. Tom has never liked Stassi, like, ever. And he just needed a reason to be a dick. I truly – it didn't – the punishment did not fit the crime. I think he just needed a reason to kind of shit on Stassi, which is entertaining as fuck because so few people ever have the balls to do that. So, I mean, it was entertaining. Um – Friend of the podcast, Joe Gunn, who, if you don't follow him on Instagram, he makes amazing pop culture memes, um, commented on how uh, Stassi Schroeder was wearing pretty much a full-blown prom dress over her jeans at her book signing. And I couldn't tell if I was really into this look or if I wasn't, but it was just so much fabric, like, bunched on the side of her tiny, tiny body. So to see her, like, march throughout Tom Tom in a prom dress over jeans and then be like, how dare you, to Tom was just, like, wildly entertaining, in my opinion. 
I do think the highlight of this entire episode, though, was when Tom Sandoval said, this isn't Katie Maloney's bar and grill. I mean, Walt Whitman could never. Robert Frost wishes. That sentence was pure fucking poetry. And I was like, no, you're right, Tom. This is not Katie Maloney's bar and grill. But then I thought, what would Katie Maloney's bar and grill look like? And I started, like, I kind of, like, snowballed in my head. I was like, what would the color palette of Katie Maloney's Bar and Grill be? And I decided it would be, like, a purple and green, very, like, 90s Nickelodeon, circle, like, the slime years kind of aesthetic. Like, funky 90s, vintage Nickelodeon with, like, a random place in the Bar and Grill where you could also get, like, your hair braided or your eyebrows done. I message me on Instagram, DM me at Hannah A. Brown and tell me what you envision for Katie Maloney's bar and grill, because truly I think this is a business idea and I think she should cash the fuck in. I would a hundred percent go. All right. That's it for my random tangents and the non Jersey reality shows. So without further ado, let's get into real hustlers in New Jersey episode 11. So previously on real hustlers in New Jersey, they replay the whackness from the Stephen Dan store in the previous weeks. We show Jennifer saying that Margaret thinks Teresa is an embarrassment. We cut back to drag brunch from last week and note how Teresa was not invited. And we leave off at the Hamptons with Teresa pissed off at Margaret and the tension of Margaret being like, well, I brought you a goodie bag. And Teresa being like, I don't want a fucking goodie bag. And then Jennifer's like, holy shit, Teresa, I didn't leave five kids bickering in New Jersey to walk into the lion's den. And then Melissa's like, Jackie's going to tour the house and I'll pour all you motherfuckers a glass of wine. And I'm like, Melissa, you're my favorite. That is exactly what I would do. I'd be like, I am not taking part in the drama. I'm just going to start drinking. And then Margaret's like, oh, my God. She, like, stays in the kitchen to talk to Melissa. And she's like, oh, my God, she doesn't want the goodie bag. I mean, who the fuck doesn't want a goodie bag? And I'm like, Margaret, people who aren't invited to an event that you had don't want a pity goodie bag. And Melissa's like, well, yeah, I mean, she's pissed you didn't invite her. And Margaret's like, well, first of all, she didn't even talk to me. Cubs it like a fucking bat out of hell. I, I just don't understand it. And then meanwhile, Jackie's giving it to her, being like, so these are the powder rooms, the beds. They're really comfy beds. And you want to see outside? Come come see outside. And this is the first time I've ever been here without my children. And Teresa's like, I want the room with a balcony. And, of course, she gets what she wants. Tree gets what Tree wants. Then Jackie is like, so tonight we're going to a spot called the Topping Rose. Hello, you guys. Topping Rose is a hot spot on Real Housewives of New York. I was like, yes, Real Housewives of New York's impact. It's also probably like the only place in the Hamptons that will like allow filming, but like I'm totally here for a visit to the Topping Rose. And then Teresa talks about be, uh, about how she was disappointed in Margaret's behavior because she had acknowledged the loss of Teresa's mom previously and then to not invite her to something on Mother's Day just like really hurt her. And Margaret's plan is to just tell Teresa, you know, I don't matter to you and you don't matter to me. And I'm like, this is a very dramatic, like, Jill Zarin approach. Like, I feel like Jill Zarin used to always be like, it's fine. I thought we were friends. I know we're not. I can see that now that we're not friends. You're not my friend, Ramona. You're not my friend. So I feel like Margaret's in this all or nothing headspace of like, I don't matter to you and you don't matter to me. Then they're all having lunch and Teresa carries out this huge tray of sub sandwiches. And I just want to take a moment of silence for how fucking beyond those sub sandwiches looked. I just need to take a second. Like, sub sandwiches are unreal, and I was happy that in Jackie's house there was such a beautiful sandwich to be seen and consumed by these women. I feel like Jackie is like, do you remember growing up, you'd always have that friend who had, like, the best snacks. Like, their parents had all the junk food. Like, they had 
chilled cans of like Dr. Pepper and like a like a candy drawer. And then you also had your friend whose mom only had like, you know, styrofoam cereal and like sad rice cakes. Jackie is totally like the styrofoam cereal, like sad rice cake mom. Like I Jennifer is for sure the mom with like the candy drawer. And like I know that like you know, we should raise our kids to be healthy, but I'm just saying if I were a kid, given the choice between Jennifer's house or Jackie's, I would totally go to Jennifer's solely for the snacks. Anyways, sub sandwiches, Margaret and Teresa go to talk and Margaret's like, you know, I'm very upset. Just I cried about this. I'm very upset. And Teresa's like, well, you know, I have this special place in my heart for you and I felt it. I felt it. And Margaret's like, well, you know. Oh, so Teresa's basically like, you know, I don't have a problem with Danielle because Danielle never did anything to me. And Margaret's like, well, you know, Charles Manson never did anything to me. I'm not going to bring him into my friend group. And Teresa's like, who's that? Who's Charles Manson? Who's Charles Manson? I, I don't really know. And she's like, well, you know, if I knew he was a serial murderer, I wouldn't let him around my kids. And I was thinking about this whole idea of like, well, this person didn't do anything to me. So, like, I'll bring them around. And I do believe that, like, involving yourself in other people's dramas in other people's drama as an adult is like why but I also think if there's a pattern with someone like Danielle where it's like she's alienated everybody she's fucked over so many people like why bring her around and expect it not to start drama like she's the common denominator so like I was kind of divided like I understood where both Teresa and Margaret were coming from but I don't think I would choose to bring to bring Danielle around like she's a she's a one-on-one type of gal if Teresa chooses to be friends with her um, and then Teresa's kind of like, well, you threw Danielle's husband, Marty, in the pool. You threw wine on her. Like, she kind of listed all the fucked up things. You know, you poured water on her. And Margaret's like, yeah, and if you had said the things Danielle said to me, like, your fucking kids don't want to be around you. Your kids can't stand you. You're the worst fucking mother. What would you do to me? And Teresa's like, I would fucking kill you. And Margaret's like, exactly. That's what she did to me. So I thought that was a smart argument tactic on Margaret's end to be like, Teresa, back it up, back it up, back it up quick, in the words of Dorinda, and be like, like, put it in perspective. If someone had said all these things about you, you would have poured water on them too, at the bare minimum. And Teresa's like, well, I hate that you put me in the middle of the you, of the two of you's because it's just, it fucking drives me crazy. Like, you make me try to pick sides. And Margaret's like, but you did pick sides. You picked her side. And Teresa's like, I, I'm not doing this. I'm not, I can't, I can't, guys. I'm not doing this. I can't. And Teresa's clinging to the fact that Danielle was super attentive to her when her mom died and well after. And I will say, when a friend's, like, really fucking solid right after a loss like that, it is hard to just write them off. That being said, again, Danielle just clearly has no space in this group. I mean, in my mind she does because it makes for great reality TV. But, like, clearly she's not going to get along with this specific group of women. And then Jackie tells Margaret that she's beating a dead horse. She's like, you're beating a dead horse with this. You know, Teresa's just not going to agree with you. And Melissa tells everyone to chill a little. And Teresa's kind of, like, wary about her wine consumption. She's like, I don't know. I can't have more wine. I, ha- I had too much of that. And Melissa's like, anyone want more wine? And Dolores is like, you know, I-, I was proud of when Teresa chose to walk away. I was. I was proud of her. And then they're unpacking. And Melissa's like, I brought a jean jacket in every color. And Margaret's like, I'm a coat whore. Not a coke whore. A coat whore. I love coats, too, Margaret. You and I share that in common. And then Jennifer's like, I brought a ton of sweatsuits and a lot of Chanel. And I'm like, if I were to pack for a vacation, I get it. The idea of just wearing only sweatsuits layered with Chanel. Sure, why not? Then Dolores FaceTimes Frankie, and she does a wellness check on how he and Gia are doing, and they're going to prom together. And Frankie goes, you know, Gia and I always have a good time, ever since we were little. 
and he requests text updates from Dolores. He's like, well, you know, text me, Mom. Love you. And I just cannot wait to see the episode where Gia and Frankie, excuse me, where Gia and Frankie go to prom because ugh, I say this every week. They're perfection. Um, then they're all getting ready for dinner and Jennifer goes into the kitchen and she takes it upon herself to pour shots of Patron for everyone. And I'm like, Jennifer is having a great season. She's just here to like drink Patron and have fun. Or so I thought the end of this episode, not great for Jennifer, but we'll get there. So Jennifer's like, I found Patron in the freezer. And Teresa's like, oh my God, I can't. I, I drank too much red wine. All right, I'll do one with you. So Teresa does a shot of Patron. And we all know that, especially when Jennifer Aiden starts doing shots of tequila, like shit could hit the fan at any minute. So I was thrilled to see this shot of tequila taking place. So they all do their shots. And Teresa notes that she's not a swallower. And Jennifer revealed that she stopped swallowing after the fourth kid, which I fully respect. And then Melissa does a check-in with Teresa in the car on the way to dinner. And she's like, so are you going to talk to Margaret at dinner or are you just going to drop it? And Teresa responds with some poetry. Again, Walt Whitman could never. Robert Frost wishes. Teresa's like, well, you know, it's like that saying. Like, it's like people come into your life for a reason. What the fuck is it? People come into your life for a reason, a lesson. Oh, my God. What the fuck is this saying? So then she calls Dolores. She's like, Dolores. She's like. Dolores, what was this? That a reason? And Dolores is like, a reason, a season? A, no, I can't remember the, the third word. And Teresa's like, a season. That's it. Thank you. And then Jennifer's like, a reason, a season, or a lifetime. It's a poem. And then Margaret's like, well, maybe she was talking about me. Maybe I had the season. After they get off the phone. And it's like, Margaret, she was literally exactly talking about you. You are the season. You're not the lifetime. You're the season. So they uh, arrive at dinner at Topping Rose. And I just want to say that the wishbone chairs at Topping Rose were really chic. I was really into them. I love a black wishbone chair. And the gals immediately order a bottle of Cabernet, which I love. And Teresa's like, I don't want to eat bread. When I eat bread, I feel like shit. And Teresa reveals that her and Melania visited a dietitian together. And they're on this fitness journey. And they're exercising and working out. And she also says that she did not push this on Melania. That Melania was like, Mom, I don't feel good. She used to love her muffin top, but now she wants to be healthy. So Melania is feeling herself, which we love to see that. So she's happier. She's less stressed. They all order dinner, and then, dun-dun-dun, this is a call from Joe. So she get, Tree gets on the phone with Joe, and she's like, are you kidding me? Really? Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? You want me to tell her this right now? Really? So when Dolores gets on the phone with Joe, and he's like, well, why don't you ask, you know, Dolores' boyfriend, if my wife, or like, ask your boyfriend if my wife can have a doctor just to make you happy. You know, she should date a doctor. And basically, ask Dolores and her boyfriend David to set Teresa up with a doctor. And Teresa's like, um, she, they get off the phone. It like makes everyone really uncomfortable. And Dolores is like, that's fucking rude. They get off the phone, and Teresa's like, well, I mean, imagine if we get divorced. Like, who, he always says, like, who's going to want to be with you? You have so much baggage. I don't know. I kind of believe it. He's kind of right. And all the women come to Teresa's defense. And I actually really loved this moment. They were like, that's not true. You don't have a lot of baggage. And Margaret's like, he's nuts. You're a hot piece of ass. And, um, yeah, I just I, – I appreciated how they all defended her and told her that, like, if it didn't work out with Joe, she would have plenty of other options, which now we know. Like, she's fucking her hot pool, guys. So everything works out the way it's supposed to. Um, and then Teresa says she doesn't think she – she doesn't think that Joe would be sticking around if the girls weren't involved, like if they didn't have daughters together, which made me really sad. 
And Teresa's like, you know, he always says no matter what, I'm going to take care of yous, but I haven't been with him in a while, so, like, I don't know. And Dolores is like, Teresa, for the past few years, you've been taking care of him. She went full, like, John Patrick Shanley, like, lead in a play. And Teresa talks about how she used to work at Macy's. She's like, well, you know, when we met, like, I was making a lot of money. Like, I was working at Macy's. I was making a ton of money. I didn't give a shit about the prenup because, like, I had my own money. And then Jackie reveals that she made Evan sign a prenup because she has family money and it was out of respect for her parents. And Jackie's like, so we bought this house as an investment. And Jennifer's like, <gasps> she's like, ooh, tell me everything. So Jennifer asks like 8,000 follow-up questions. She's like, is this the only Hamptons property you own? Is it just yours or are you and Evan's together? Who makes more money, you or Evan? And Jackie's like kind of playing along like it's NBD for a while. And then Jennifer is eventually like, Jackie's like, I, you know, I don't talk about it. And Jennifer's like, you know, I don't come from money, but in Middle Eastern culture, we talk about it and ask how much you spent on something. And Margaret's like, maybe you should be her little intern. And it cuts to Margaret being like, no one speaks about money the way that Jennifer does. That's embarrassing. And Jennifer then says something that I found to be deeply problematic, which was that she thinks men should be smarter than women. And if, like, you know, she's smarter than a man, she thinks that that's, like, crazy and wrong. And I was like, ugh. Like, I literally got full body goosebumps. Um, just imagining this moment in this episode. Um, and then back to the money talk, Jackie advises Jennifer to invest in real estate. And Jennifer's like, how many properties do you own if you don't mind me asking? And Jackie's like, uh, I actually do mind you asking. And so it gets kind of tense and weird. And then Jackie says in her confessional that money can't buy you class. And I was like, oh, Countess Luann's impact. I love this episode because between Topping Rose and then Jackie saying money can't buy you class, it was like little Real Housewives of New York breadcrumbs throughout the episode reminding it, reminding us that in a few short months we will be back on our Real Housewives of New York bullshit, which is what we all want, including myself. So the next morning, Tree goes to the beach to do yoga. Margaret chats with Melissa, and Margaret's like, I mean, listen, I'm still like a little shell-shocked because a friendship is a two-way street, but I realize with Teresa, I think it's one-sided. And Melissa says she doesn't want to see Margaret try to convince Teresa otherwise at this point. She's like, you know, you spoke your piece. It's not a big deal. Like, it's done. What's done is done. And then Jackie FaceTimes her husband, Evan, and she spills the tea to Evan about Jennifer's, like, really invasive questions about money. And Evan's like, oh, I don't like that. And then he's like, I don't like that. Have fun. Don't drown anybody in the water, though. And Jackie's like, oh, okay, I won't. I'm like, Jackie, like you would ever drown anybody in the water. Like, I still think back to, like, a couple months ago when she got in that confrontation with Dolores, like, I can't see Jackie going any further than that when she goes, I don't consider it a loss, Dolores. And Dolores goes, okay, Jackie. I feel like that's the most heated we'll ever see Jackie get. So the thought of her throwing someone in water was actually hilarious to me. Um, Melissa decides to make all the girls breakfast, and she's like, I know none of these bitches are eating bacon, but whatever. God, Melissa, between her love for wine and bacon, I just, I'm obsessed with her. Jackie doesn't want breakfast, and she's like, I just want coffee. Not my fucking vibe. Dolores has come around to Jackie, and she says that she thinks they could be friends, even though, you know, Jackie doesn't have that old-school Italian mentality that Dolores is really hung up on. And then Jennifer sent her husband a video of Jackie's house, and he responded with saying, so pretty, buy one. So now Jennifer is like, I'm going to do some research on real estate in the Hamptons. She's like, all about it. And then Melissa does like a pretty shitty but like funny Veruca Salt impression of Jennifer being like, Daddy, I want a beach house too. If she wants one, I want one. And then Jackie eats puffed quinoa chips for breakfast. And Margaret's like, I mean, I don't expect anybody to eat as much as me, but there is a happy medium. And this reminded me of something. Isn't it terrible when, like, as an adult, you're hanging out with friends, you're, like, on a vacation with friends, 
and whatever friend you're with just like is fine just not eating for like eight hours and you always have to be the one to be like hey so do you want to like get dinner like a snack or something like I truly only like traveling with people that make time for food and like often make time for food like a little nosh here a little you know poolside lunch there those are truly my best friends I'm just like vacationing with Jackie just seems kind of boring because I'm like I don't want to watch you eat puffed quinoa chips while I indulge in this amazing bacon I want to share this amazing bacon with you because it's fucking delicious does that make sense anyways um they decide to go shopping and the gals all touch base about Teresa and Joe and how shitty he is to her and then there's a really dark montage of all the times that Joe told her to shut up and told her he's gonna beat her head against a wall and called her a cunt terrible things and then Dolores is like but you know it's just the way we talk like, Jackie, has you, your husband ever called you a cunt? And she's like, he wouldn't have any testicles left. And it really darked me out. Dolores was like, you know, it's just it's old school. Like, it's just old school Italian. Like, it's just the way we talk. And I'm like, literally, I don't know if that's true or not because I'm not an old school Italian person. But I also thought that, like, old school Italian values were all about, like, loving your wife and loving your mama and loving your kids and, like, being a family man. So I was like, if that's how, like, old school Italian men talk to their wives, like, prayers for all those wives, I tell you. Dolores is like, but it's, you know, it's we're used to it because that's how we're normally spoken to. But now that Teresa's been away from Joe for like four years, she just can't take it anymore. And then um, Melissa, they're going shopping at like these cute little boutiques. And Melissa's like, you know, I could be a Hamptons girl and a Jersey Shore girl. I can be bi-coastal. Um, I just want to go on vacation with her so bad. I say that every week. And then Jackie's like, oh, my God, I want everything beach. And I'm like, beach themed products are my nightmare whether it's like a beach themed sign or a beach themed like a sweater that says beach or beach this way I was like Jackie agreed to disagree on that and then Melissa like holds up a pair of pants to Teresa and she's like your butt would look good in these and Teresa's like no it wouldn't it will be eating my ass and Melissa's like that's why it would look good they seem fun to shop with meanwhile Margaret and Jennifer go to a home store to get a gift for Bodge Senior and Marge talks about how Marge Sr. is a hoarder. And they cut back to that really chaotic, stressful scene of Marge Sr. trying to pack. And Margaret's like, um, she's like, what the fuck is she doing? Like, what's going on? Like, I feel like I'm the mother. She's the daughter. So, you know, it's emotionally draining. And then we cut back to the shop with Teresa and the rest of the other women. And Teresa's fedora gave me, like, a physical reaction. Like, I hated it, but I also couldn't stop staring at it in wonderment. I was like, what is going on with this fedora? Teresa's whole look in this scene was wild. It was like five necklaces and big earrings and a bunch of bracelets. And then the fedora, I was like, whoa. Um, it's also really funny seeing the Jersey franchise go to the Hamptons and seeing the New York franchise go to the Hamptons and seeing what these women choose to wear in the Hamptons. Like how they all define Hamptons chic is really entertaining to me. And then the gals talk about Margaret and Jennifer um, or I'm sorry, the, the rest of the women talk about Jennifer's intense money talk from the previous night. And then we cut back to Jennifer and Margaret in their respective store. And Jennifer being like, I mean, I didn't want to offend her, but I'm just so intrigued. And the gals discuss old money versus new money. And Dolores is like, yeah, you know, she's new money. She talks about it a lot, but, you know, she's very generous with it. So, you know, I, I know it comes from a good place, so it doesn't bother me. And Jackie, on the other hand, is very offended. She's like, I just really don't understand Jennifer's relationship with money. But Melissa and Dolores seem to understand where she's coming from, so maybe I'll try to, you know, not let it bother me so much. And she vows to listen to only the good things that Jennifer says and tune the braggadocious stuff about money out. And then Jennifer talks about how she likes to do it up for her kids' birthdays. And she thinks, she reveals that she thinks Jackie is cheap. And they cut back to, or Jennifer brings up, like, 
Jackie's kid's birthday party from a few months ago where it was just like the box of shit from Amazon and just pizza and cake and no actual food. And yeah. So then Margaret's like, well, you know, I, I wouldn't say that she's cheap. She has a beautiful goodie. She has beautiful goodie bags in the room. And Jennifer's like, uh, why not have like a plate of pasta in the middle of the table for $45? And Margaret's like, no, food just doesn't even occur to her. And I'm like, again, I couldn't be friends with Jackie. If food doesn't even occur to her, like, no, 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 no. Then Teresa purchases some neon heels. Melissa gets a sensible straw hat. Margaret gets Marge Sr. some cocktail napkins, baskets, and a cutting board. And then Jennifer and Margaret, on their way to the car, continue to argue about Jackie's value system versus, like, if she's cheap or not. Like, Margaret thinks it's about Jackie's values. Jennifer thinks she's cheap. And Margaret's like, I mean, you could think she's being cheap. I just think she doesn't think about food. And then Jackie's like, oh, I always buy schmatas after they were leaving the store. And this was – it was fun to hear Jackie say that she always buys schmatas because my high school girlfriends and I always call, like, the little duty going out tank tops we used to wear in college schmatas or schmatties. So it warmed my heart to hear Jackie drop this Yiddish schmata bomb. Um, then the gals all go to lunch, and Melissa and Teresa get disco lemonade, which gave me a hangover just hearing the name of it. I was like, what the fuck is in a disco lemonade? And then Margaret reveals to Jackie that Jennifer thought she was stingy at her kid's birthday party for only serving pizza. And Jackie's like, well, you know, for Jennifer, it's all about how much money you spend on things. And for me, it's just, it's not. And Margaret's like, I didn't know Jackie would get that upset. I mean, I I thought it was funny because, you know, it's just so untrue. But Jackie is super pissed. And so Jennifer gets back from the bathroom and Jackie immediately tells Jennifer that she's pissed. And Jackie's like, you don't know what my kids wanted. They wanted pizza and Nutella cake. And Jennifer's like, the adults care. The adults care. And Jackie's like, it's not about spending, honey. And Jennifer's like, I'm not your honey. Don't be condescending to me. And so Jennifer is just really over Jackie being condescending. Jackie is over Jennifer talking about money and commenting on, like, what Jackie should or should not do with her money. And then Jennifer goes, take the stick out of your ass and enjoy life for a while. And then Jackie's like, I spend it when I want to spend it. And Jennifer's like, so you spend it on yourself and not in your kid's party? Ooh. I mean, hearkening back to previous Real Housewives of New Jersey reunions, and honestly just previous Real Housewives reunions in general, you never, ever talk about the children. Like, you just do not bring up the children. So for Jennifer to insinuate that Jackie is cheap when it comes to her kids but spends money on herself was fucked up. Also, like, simple pleasures. When you are a kid – All you really give a shit about is, like, yeah, like, pizza, cake, playing with your friends. Like, a kid's not going to know the difference between, like, a designer or whatever versus, a like, a designer soccer ball versus, like, a normal soccer ball. So I was like, Jennifer, what the fuck are you talking about? And then Jackie's like, she comes back with, no, I just don't spend money to impress people. And then Jennifer goes, do you impress yourself, though? Because, you know, that's a play date for me, pizza and cake. She was poking the bear. She had that tequila aflow, and maybe she had the disco lemonade. Maybe it's tequila and the disco lemonade because something got to Jennifer and was making her be a real bitch. And then Jackie was like, um, my kids will remember the party, too. And Jennifer goes, they'll forget soon. Oh, my gosh. This was shocking. Like, Jennifer was just being cruel at this point. And Jackie's like, she just thinks that being called cheap in regards to her kids is a low blow, which I definitely agree with. And then Jennifer's like, um, Jennifer then totally like diverts the energy to Margaret by being like, well, she's the one who's making jokes about you not eating. And then Jennifer does a pretty good impression of Margaret going, you never even see her eat food. And I will say, you know, I had my doubts about Jennifer's impressions, but one impressionist to another, I was impressed. 
And then Margaret goes, no, I said you only serve pizza because you don't like to eat. And Jackie's like, what? And so obviously she gets mad again. And she's like, uh, don't comment on whether or not I eat because I did a lot of work to make sure that I can. And Margaret's immediately like, you're right, you're right. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And Jackie's like, that's the difference between a true friend and, you know, a not true friend. Margaret apologized and Jennifer wouldn't. And Teresa's like, well, you know, I mean, I think she's being honest. I love Teresa at the end of the table, like throwing quiet but thick shade. And Melissa's like, you two are the same. It's a place of ignorance. And Teresa's like, well, when you're friends with someone, you should be able to speak your mind and not creep around on like tippy toes. She says that in her, in her confessional. And I'm like, yeah, but like speaking your mind versus just like being an asshole. Like, I think those are very different things. And there's a polite way to communicate uncomfortable information to someone if you're actually friends with them and don't want to hurt their feelings, which like if you are actually friends with someone, why would you want to hurt their feelings? So I was like, Teresa, what are you talking about? Then Jackie says that Jennifer is not invited to another party. And Jennifer is like, fine, I don't want to leave your with your Amazon box. Sorry, that was the wrong voice. Jackie's like, Jennifer, you know, you're not invited to another party. And Jennifer goes, it's fine. I don't want to leave with your Amazon box of goodie bags anyway. And my notes just in all caps were, yikes, yikes. And Jackie goes, Jennifer, the way you spend money makes me vomit in my mouth. And then Melissa interjects. And Melissa's like, I'll tell you who's winning over here. This motherfucker right over there. Because she's basically she's like, because Jackie is better with money and setting, you know, making smart investments. Like her kids are going to be set up in 30 years with all this like comfortable like abundant family money she's like we're losers because we spend like idiots now jackie's looking towards the future and making smart investments jennifer does not appreciate this comment she goes are you saying my kids aren't going to be successful in 30 years literally not what melissa said at all melissa goes bitch what are you talking about and jennifer goes don't call me bitch hello and she throws a fork at her and goes hello what hello hello and melissa gets up and goes walk away walk away get her the fuck out of here now and they're like and jennifer's eyes get really big and she's like what what like totally taunting melissa and it was another to be continued that was the episode y'all oh my gosh i i mean oh my gosh i truly Loved it. I think I, I'm really into these cliffhanger to be continued endings. I'm really into these women getting messy. As far as The Bachelor goes, I look forward to Alea coming back. As far as Vanderpump Rules goes, people continue to shit on the new season, but I'm actually really enjoying it and all its ridiculousness. Um, so I think pop culture-wise, we have a lot to be excited about right now. Friends, if you don't follow me already, follow me at Hannah Brown on Instagram and Twitter. And if you just can't get enough of this voice, head on over to patreon.com slash brownieunicorn for bonus episodes. For just $5 a month, you get access to all of them. I recapped Pretty Wild Season 1. I'm currently in the process of recapping Real Housewives of New York Season 2. It's been one episode a month lately. I generally shoot for more. Um, my schedule is going to be opening up soon, so I'm hoping to churn out more content for y'all. Um, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for your encouragement. Head on over to iTunes and leave a rating and a review if you would be so kind. And if you have any, any feedback at all, please feel free to email me at brownagejunicornagemail.com or Instagram and Instagram at Hannah Brown. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you all have had a great week, and we'll see you next week. Bye.